Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Now today, today's message is sort of a, uh, a, a word of encouragement, a word of advice for many of us, a reminder that comes straight out of the Word of God. And what I wanna talk to you about today is something that Christians in every generation have had to contend with. And so this is kind of like, this is true to all of us, to everyone. If you're a serious servant of God, this is something that you have to contend with. And what I wanna do today is I wanna pick up from a, a little thought that um, I started with in uh, maybe two or three weeks ago. I forget when the sermon was. Maybe it was longer than a couple of weeks. But a number of weeks ago, I started one of the services with an image of two fields. I don't know if you remember the two fields. How many remember? There's the old field and the new field. And when you serve God, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I think. And um, he's a new creation. And what that means is, is that when you start serving God, it's like you have this whole new field. And what you need to do is ignore the old field and that'll die and dry up and then sow into the new field, into the new life that God has for you, and God will cause amazing things to grow. How many believe that? How many would say amen? Hallelujah. Now, I actually want to get more specific right from the book of Galatians, right from uh, the, the words written by the Apostle Paul. What the Apostle Paul does is he actually labels this more specifically, and then he gives an extra thought. Okay, so before I tell you what the word of God says, here's the way the apostle Paul labels these two fields, okay? So the way he labels the two fields are, number one, the field of natural desires. You and I have natural desires and your old field is grown, the negative field is grown by us giving in on a consistent basis to all of our natural desires. And then he labels the other field as the field of the Spirit. The field of the Spirit. And what he's saying here is you need to tend to the field of the Spirit and you need to keep on doing it. And then I'll tell you in a second, I'll tell you in a second what that extra thought is. So let's read Galatians 6, beginning with verse 8. I chose the Good News translation because of the specific wording that I love. And here's what it says It says, If you plant in the field of your natural desires, from it you will gather the harvest of death or moral corruption and then ultimately death. 
if you just give into, if all you do is sow into the seed of your natural desires, what you want, what you desire, the whole me, 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 if you do that, what happens is it creates moral corruption and then ultimately bondage and death. Now, on the other side, it says, if you plant in the field of the Spirit, from the Spirit you will gather the harvest of eternal life. There's an eternal uh, harvest, and this is saying there's two types of harvest. Listen closely. This is for everyone. You cannot stop this process. This is what it is. But we get to determine where we desire to sow. There's a harvest that comes from living for your natural desires. And the end of a me-centered, impulse-centered, giving in to whatever you want, the, the end result of that is bondage, moral corruption, death. And then there's a there's a a sowing in the spirit, and the, the end of sowing in the spirit means that you end up walking in freedom and fruitfulness and blessing and standing before God and not being ashamed and hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many wanna hear, well done, my good? And come on, put your hands together if that's what you want. Hallelujah. Yes. And so we've talked about that a little bit. Today's message is partially about that, but I wanna talk about the added thought. I wanna talk about the added thought. So let's, we're gonna keep reading here. Verse nine says this. It says, so let us not become tired. Everyone say tired. tired. So let us not become tired of doing good, for if we do not give up, the time will come when we will reap the harvest. So let us not become tired. Everyone say tired. Tired of what? Tired of doing good. Tired of sowing good. For if we do not give up, the time will come when we will reap the harvest. So then, as often as you have the chance, we should do good to everyone, <clears throat> especially those who belong to our family in the faith. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is saying, come on, we know you reap what you sow. If you sow to the right field from the right field, you're gonna reap great things. If you sow to the Spirit, I'm telling you right now, you will reap an eternal harvest. It will be wonderful and fantastic. But here's the charge, and here's the word of the Lord. If you're listening online in Philadelphia, and I wanna say it to everyone here. This is very, very important. What is the charge? What is the challenge? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't get tired. The title of the message is, don't get tired. Don't get weary of doing good. Don't get tired of well-doing. Don't get tired of sowing spiritual seed. 
A lot of times we can get tired of sowing to the spirit because of the issues of life, the challenges of life, the attacks of the devil. But here's what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says, everyone, don't get tired. But he's talking about a very specific type of tired. You know what? I, I, um, I don't really like when ministers, I don't like it because of my personality. I don't like when ministers say, turn to your neighbor and say this, because when I'm close to someone to like look right in their face. But everyone, turn to your neighbor and say, don't get tired. Come on, turn to the left, turn to the right. Okay, one time, one time. I'll do it like one time in five years. Well, here's the word of the Lord. In Philadelphia, don't get tired. And you need to understand what that means because I'm here to tell you that he's not talking about physical fatigue. He's talking about spiritual fatigue. Spiritual fatigue feels a lot like physical fatigue, but it's different. And so what he's saying is don't get tired. And I wanna define spiritual fatigue for a moment and then I wanna pray. So what is spiritual fatigue? What does it mean to be tired in this sense? It means to become literally, utterly spiritless. In the Greek, this is what this means. This is not talking about you need more sleep. I was kinda, we prayed early this morning, I was kinda joking around with the staff, so I went to bed knowing I'm preaching on don't get tired, and then I had the worst night of sleep ever. <laughs> and it was like, preacher, practice what you preach. I was like having coffee this morning at 5.30 in the morning. But how many know your body can be tired, but your spirit can be strong? How many believe that? <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> In the Proverbs, it says, a, man, a man's sickness can bring him down, but his spirit can uphold him. So we're talking about spiritual fatigue, and here's what it means. It means to be utterly spiritless. A Christian can gravitate to the place where they're like not depending, they're not tapping into. It means exhausted, it means to lose courage, it means to stop depending on the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna pray today, are you depending on the Holy Spirit? Are you leaning on the Holy Spirit? Are you, is your spirit strong because of your connection to the Holy Spirit? Are you sowing seeds? Or are you tired in your spirit and getting tempted to quit? And I'll talk about this in a moment. Tempted to leave, all sorts of things happen and make sense when we get spiritually tired. So in Philly, online, wherever you are, come on, lift up your hands with me. Okay? The Bible says that we should lift up our hands to God in prayer. And that's what we're gonna do. And our hands are open, our hands are are, are like this because we're like, God, you are able to strengthen and to refresh. And so Father, I pray right now, Lord, 
Whoever's listening, maybe someone's watching from Missouri, Lord, or, or Tennessee, or Florida, Lord, or, or even a different part of the world, oh God. Wherever someone is tuning in, Lord, God, I pray that your spirit would revive and rejuvenate. If, if they've become, oh God, if they've become tired in their spirit, anyone in this room, anyone in, in Philadelphia, in the name of Jesus, revive our spirits, God. Help us, oh God. Rejuvenate us. Strengthen us, Lord God. Help us to depend upon you more than ever before, not less than ever before. So bless this word. Bless our time. And God, I pray that you would open the eyes of people who've been guided, led, oh God, by feelings, emotions, making decisions and choices even developing logic structures that are not based on the spirit, Lord, but based on natural desires. So do it by your mighty power in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So spiritual fatigue is not the same as, as a physical fatigue. It can feel the same, but it's different. Sometimes you can be really exhausted, but completely refreshed in your spirit. You know, it all depends on what's going on inside of you. And he was saying, when, when he's saying don't get tired, he's saying don't get tired in your spirit because it is possible for your world to be crazy and your spirit to be strong. It's possible for the world to be very, very difficult, but your spirit to be strong and standing ready, full of joy and strength. But let me tell you a couple things about spiritual fatigue. Spiritual fatigue will destroy discernment. Spiritual fatigue will destroy logic and wisdom and biblical common sense. When you become, as the Bible says here, utterly spiritless, you're vulnerable to all sorts of wrongdoing. You're vulnerable to, to, to uh, um, thoughts and choices that be, be, your natural desires say, that's a perfect answer. That's exactly what you need to do. It makes perfect sense. You will do things that, that go completely against the word of God, but when you're utterly spiritless, when, you're, when you stop depending on the Holy Spirit, it's like craziness makes sense. And that's why we have to be mindful of where our spirit is, not where all of your life is, but where our spirit is. Spiritual fatigue will give you reasons to act ungodly. It'll give you reasons to cut people off. It'll give you reasons to be less loving, less kind, less godly, less holy, less joyful. I know you can't say amen to these things, but can I tell you something? This is really true. I didn't expect you to say amen to that, but it's true. All of these are the fruit of someone who has bent towards, not the spirit, but towards the flesh. The, I've seen over the last couple years, I've seen people walk away from God's will. Okay, listen to me. 
After COVID, culturally speaking, we've never seen a more fragile generation of people. Okay? It made us fragile. It made us, it just wrecked our world. It turned our world upside down. Do you know part of the reason why the church got so fractured? Uh, and people say, man, I understand the world going crazy. But one of the reasons why the church went kind of crazy when COVID hit and the, and the politics and the division and all that, it's because we got separated from one another. We couldn't hug each other and remember how much we love each other and how much we do life with each other. And all of that isolation, if you were not tapping in to the word and in the spirit, you got tired. The news will make you tired. The bad news will make you tired. Taking in all of the all of the, the political rancor, all of the, the divisive rhetoric, if that's all you're taking in, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna be angry with people. You're gonna be resentful. You're gonna wanna reject people. You wanna uh, you wanna cut them off. What's that? You wanna cancel people. Cancel in the kingdom? Are you kidding me? Does not the Bible even say love your enemies? What's going on in the body of Christ? But see, that's what happens when we get out of the spirit. And so we have to be mindful. Listen, spiritual fatigue will cause ungodly actions to make perfect sense. Make perfect sense doing ungodly things. And yet we have access to the Holy Spirit. And so how do you conquer spiritual fatigue? How do you conquer spiritual fatigue? And I have to tell you something, this is a big deal for anyone who shoulders lots of responsibility. Okay, husband or uh, wife children or big responsibility on the job or, or taking care of lots of people, lots of people depending upon you and lots of, lots of heavy decisions, heavy responsibilities. Brothers and sisters, there is a place, there is a fountain. There are rivers of living water. We can drink from the fountain of God. How many believe there are times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah. And look, my prayer for you is that you would learn. This is, this is like real Christianity. Like me as your pastor, listening in Philadelphia, if you're watching online, you're part of our online family, this is what it means to be a pastor who raises up people who are strong in God. It means that you have developed the ability to on your own drink from the fountain for yourself. Come on, you can go and drink from the fountain on your, in your house, in your apartment, in your car, in the parking lot, at the office. You can drink from that fountain. Hallelujah. You can be refreshed in God. That's, not, that's real Christianity. All throughout the ages, God has kept his people strong, full of life, full of love, full of uh, joy, full of strength, able to keep on keeping on. 
So how do we conquer spiritual fatigue? Very quickly here. Number one, stay. Everyone say stay. Stay Stay in the spirit. You got to stay in the spirit. You have to keep working in the right field. You have to keep sowing in the spirit to the spirit and the things of God. Instead of getting tired and say, you know what? I've tried the the godly way for so long and it's not working. Stick with me. I got some things to say to you. I've been waiting for too long. And what, what the apostle Paul is saying, don't become weary. Keep sowing in the spirit to the spirit. Stick with the things of God. Stick with the will of God. Stick with the ways of God. In due time, you will reap an amazing harvest. How many believe that his word is true? But you got to stay in the spirit. Look, if you stay in the right field, it cuts off a lot of wrong options. Let me give you an example. Like right now, one of my, a, a, a dear friend of mine, his son, he has an adult son. He lives on the West Coast. Got married in the Lord. But we're praying because somehow, some way, his wife wants a divorce. And it's like, he didn't cheat. He didn't abuse her. He didn't do, but she, you know what? She's like, I'm done. I want, I want my own life back. I want my old life back. How does someone start in the Lord? Can I talk about real stuff today? Right? How does someone start in the Lord and then completely backslide. This is it. This is it. They get tired, they get hurt, they get wounded, and all of a sudden, there are carnal logic structures, worldly logic structures, that's, they're more, they satisfy you in the short run, they destroy you in the long run. But they start to make more sense. You got to stay in the spirit. Everybody say, stay in the spirit. And it's vitally important that you develop your own walk with God. If you don't have your own walk with God, you can't stay in the spirit. This is our primary responsibility as your pastors. To love you is to encourage you is to plead with you. You gotta get home and you gotta find a place. You gotta read the Bible day after day after day. You gotta stay in the spirit. You know, I, I, I was shaped by a thought when I was a kid. I'm gonna really date myself right now. But I was shaped by a phrase that came on TV about four, it's like, 4.30 every day when I was a kid, except on weekends, and it literally controlled my life, okay? And maybe some of you know this show. It was Batman. <laughs> well, listen, there was something in Batman that shaped my life and that even, even as I got older, I would label things the same. I want to, this is like a 30 second, maybe 
Listen to this. I grew up watching this, and I want to make a point to you. Okay? Listen to this. Holy midnight. <laughs> the first minute of the new day. The everlasting end for Robin. Stick merciful cotton in your ears. The death knell sounds tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Same bat time, same bat channel. And when I used to say same bat, see some of you, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, so listen, I saw a thing that said, you know you're old when you say same bat time, same bat channel, and people have no idea what you're talking about. So every show in Batman when I was a kid used to end with, don't miss tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. And I remember when it was time to watch Batman, I was outside, I was was running to go see what the next thing that was going to go on. And then as I got older and I started to run, I used to wake up in the morning and they'd say, man, I don't feel like running today. And my thought thought process was like, you want to make it to the big leagues? Well, this is the time, same bat time. Same back channel, put your sneakers on and get on going. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's snowing. Get to running if you want to make it to the show. Well, listen to me. You have a bigger mission than making it to the show. You need a same back time, same back channel. Read your Bible, same place every day, over and over and over. Nothing should stop you from your time with God. Nothing should stop you from your time with God. No one should rob you from your time with God. Same bad time, same bad channel. On your worst day, get up and go read your Bible. When you're down, when you're discouraged, get up and read your Bible. When you want to quit, get up and read your Bible. And you're going to read and you're going to say, God, I'm tired. I'm angry. David was angry. But God, you're good all the time. And all the time, I will praise you. Hallelujah. Your life will change. You'll go from being a weakling spiritually to like a mighty oak. That man is like a tree, the Bible says. You see, bearing fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. No matter what happens, we just keep on bearing fruit. Same bad time, same bad channel. Nothing should rob that place between you and God. Listen, I read this so many years ago. I don't know how many years ago I read it, but this is such a good quote. Listen to this. This is David McIntyre, and it says, the Christian cannot have a powerful prayer life unless he takes advantage of the equipment for prayer that the Lord offers to him. This equipment is simple, if not always, easily secured. Listen, it consists particularly of a quiet place, a quiet hour, and a quiet heart. You give God a quiet place and a quiet hour, and he will transform your life. Listen, listen closely, watching in Philadelphia. He will break anxiety. He will destroy old fears. He will conquer trauma inside of your life. Okay, he will heal deep wounds. 
He will change your thought patterns. He will baptize you with joy. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He'll bring an explosion to your gifting and an anointing upon your life. All you have to do is tarry in the presence of the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. You don't have to be tired. He will fill you. He will strengthen you. Anybody here believe that today? Hallelujah. All you got to do, quiet place, quiet hour, and say, you know what? I'm turning off this phone. I'm not going to look at the news. I'm not going to look at, at the text messages that are coming in. This is my time to seek the living God. And a living word from the living God will absolutely rejuvenate your life. You see, when life is going crazy, here's what you need to understand. When life is going crazy and your, your body is down, your emotions are down, even your thoughts start to get down and earthly, the word of the Lord will rejuvenate faith. You will read the Bible and God will say something to you that is so quick and powerful from him to you. You will know that you know my heavenly father has spoken. And when you get that word from God, all of a sudden, you overcome spiritual fatigue. You still might be tired. You still might be a little weary. You still might be sad. But when the word of the Lord comes, your spirit gets strong and you're not tired in your spirit anymore. You could say in your heart, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk with God. I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna praise God. I'm gonna honor God. No matter what happens, though he slay me, I will trust him, Job said. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what's going on. I've heard from my heavenly father. So look, this is a very, very important thing for us to understand. And let me tell you something about this particular text because it implies something that's so important. Why does it say in due time? Why does it say don't grow weary in well-doing? Because in due time, okay, here's why. It's because spiritual seed is different in a lot of ways. But since it's eternal, since you're sowing into something that's so deep and so long-term, it takes very often more time, okay? Now remember, I think about us here we are one church in two cities, um, and we're, we're ministering to Philadelphia. And I remember when we first started our church, and I want Philadelphia to really listen in to this moment. I want to give you two conversations, right? When we first started our church, it was a cold Tuesday night in February. And on a cold Tuesday night in February, uh, and man, how many know February in Chicago? Can't we just... Sh close that month out and just go to the next one. Can we skip February, please, Lord? February in Chicago, cold, gray, don't see the sun, bone-chilling cold. And I remember we had a prayer meeting and our church was like a year and a half old. 
and we had a handful of people and somebody came from, from Brooklyn Tab, the, the quote, the mother church, so to speak. And, um, and it was a, you know, sometimes some people can say the most wonderful things to you. So a sister comes and says, man, I came visit and uh, I got rebuked. She was like, where are all the people? I was like, that's what I'm asking the Lord too. It's like, where are all the people? What's going on? It's like, I want to go back and bring a good report. And I was like, thanks a lot. I'm feeling really great right now. I can't make things grow. I can't make things grow. This is not about me. This is not about Chrissy. You guys know that. You guys know that we never made it about personalities. This is all about one personality. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many would say amen? Hallelujah. Now on the flip side, one of the leaders, the guy, who, the guy who actually was instrumental in our coming, he came, might have been a couple years later, or ex, I don't remember exactly when it was, and he preached at our church, and we were at the Troy building, and I was still kind of in the natural, the path, the, the human Al Toledo side. I was like, come on, let's grow more. Someone told me once, if your church is 20,000 people, you still won't be satisfied, and that's true. And let me tell you why. Because there's millions of people in Chicago. There's millions of people in Philadelphia. That's why we don't get impressed with one church. We need many churches preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray for all the churches. How many would say amen? But listen, here's what he says. So I was was speaking to Brother Martin, and here's what Brother Martin said. I was like, Brother Martin, what can you tell me? How do we? And he says, listen, this is like a bamboo tree. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, don't you know, bamboo trees grow down first. Bamboo trees grow down about uh, for five or six years. They grow down. And then in one year, they shoot up like nine feet. They sometimes they end up almost at 14 feet He says, but what you need to understand is you got to grow down before you grow up and out. And that's the way it is in the spirit. Listen, uh, I was in Costa Rica, and when I was in Costa Rica, I had seen bamboo uh, trees before. They're actually a plant but I actually stood in in a place where there were this many and they were so high. And I remember, do you know that at a certain point, our church once grew 400 people over the course of three weeks? When we moved out of Troy and we moved into the next one, we had 400 more people. And then we moved in here and we grew another four or 600. But see, you have to grow down before you grow up. It's the nature of important things, of rich things. You've got to grow down first. And that's why we say all the time, privately healthy first. 
and then publicly fruitful. They could send me a keyboard player. You have to get strong in God in private. Before this went up 14 feet, it went down many, many feet. Do you know, listen, I got a couple of very cool details about, about a bamboo tree because God wants to make you like a bamboo plant. Listen, bamboo plants are drought tolerant and they can survive long seasons of little water because they've been tapping into water for so long. They've gotten so strong. Listen, bamboo uh, plants regenerates when you cut it off. You cut it, it just grows right back. How many know the world might cut you, the devil might cut you, but God will just grow you right back when you're strong in God, when you're close to God. Hallelujah. Listen to this, okay? Bamboo is just an incredibly strong plant. And here's, I didn't know this. I'd heard all those others before, but listen to this. During earthquakes in bamboo native countries, people run to to bamboo forests for shelter and safety because, uh, because of their root structure. Even though everything is quaking and the ground is cracking, the bamboo plants hold it all together. Earthquake can't bring you down. Lifequake cannot bring you down when you grow down in God. How many want to grow down in the Lord? Hallelujah. And listen, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Listen, lots of plants, lots of plants, avocados, avocado trees, orange uh, trees. The first time they bear fruit, the fruit is not that great. But over time, as they keep bearing fruit, the word of the Lord to you is keep bearing fruit. It gets better and better and better. So look, can I, I want to speak to Philadelphia for a second. Maybe, you know, the church is small compared to our church. The church is small, right? And someone would say, well, well, how's that church going to grow? Guess what? We got to sow some seed. Churches are not a Pop-Tart, right? You don't put it in a toaster and it pops up. We're not trying to grow crowds. We're, we're not growing crowds. We want to grow people. We want to grow children of the most high God. And it takes work and it takes labor and it takes outreach. I got this photo from Pastor Josh the other day. You know how we're growing Philly Tabernacle? Right here, look. That's, that's, uh, that's Missy. That's Bailey, two staff members. That's Susie. That's uh, uh, Wesley and James. And this is part of the team. They're passing out. We're, not, we're doing a Kids Week of Innovation in, in, uh, uh, in Philadelphia instead of, instead of the back-to-school thing, different types of outreaches. But either way, they're giving out ICs at the schools, and they're going week after week and week after week, and they're reaching out to children. And how many know those children, like today, Daniel, Daniel was not here. He's uh, our MD. Daniel was a little kid here. Well, he's uh, away because he's on his anniversary. He's celebrating his first anniversary. He went from a kid to a man of God to now a married man 
strong in the Lord. I heard he took the mic and prayed the other day, and he prayed the glory of God down because we're here to grow people. We grow down, and then we grow up. That is the plan of God for each and every one of us. We don't have to get tired. We can grow strong. Anybody believe here? We can grow strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. And we're going to grow Philadelphia by reaching out to people. We're going to grow Philadelphia by praying for people, by ministering to people, by doing, or by sowing seed. By so- In fact, you know what? Everybody stretch out your hand. Philly, we're going to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we lift up these children. In the name of Jesus, we lift up Philadelphia. In the name of Jesus, we lift up families. We lift up marriages. God, we lift up those drug addicts who walking around the street talking to themselves. Father, we take authority over those controlled by demonic voices. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We declare freedom over the homeless. We declare freedom over those with schizophrenia. We declare freedom over those that are demon-possessed. God, fill your house with souls. Let them grow down and then let them sprout up by your mighty power, oh God. And God, I pray for every person and every leader in Philadelphia right now. They're there because you want to raise them up to be mighty leaders for you, Lord Jesus. Help them to sow to the Spirit. Help them to depend upon the Spirit. Make us people of the Spirit, not people of the flesh. People of the Spirit. Do it there and do it here. We haven't even scratched the surface, Father, in Chicago. God, send revival to Chicago. Come on, lift your voice with me. Send revival, God. Send revival to Chicago, God. Bring a sweeping of the Holy Spirit in our church and in many, many churches, we pray, oh God. Raise up true followers of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Stay in the spirit. I want to say one more thing. I typically um, preach a sermon in the beginning of the summer that speaks to carnal opportunities because there's many out there. Okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, so to the spirit, not to the flesh. Just because the world is partying, just because the world got tired. And look, I, I, I laugh in Chicago how as soon as it stops being cold, people like there's festivals, there's like what an amazing city. But listen, don't get in the flesh. Come on, somebody say, preach it, preacher. No, okay, okay. No. <laughs> don't, don't get in the mess. Don't do it. So to the Spirit. So to the Spirit. How many would say amen? Okay, I got one more thing to say, and then, then we're going to pray. What does Paul say? He says, don't get tired. Don't be weary. But he's saying, don't be weary in sowing to that good field. But look at how he puts it. He says, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing good. So you know what the Apostle Paul said, and here's this, the other way. 
that you, you keep strengthening yourself because powerful things happen if you keep doing good for others. So point two is keep doing good for others. When you do good for others, something flows back to you. When you do good to others, there's something that happens inside of you. It brings you joy and strength. If, if you sow good, if you, if you are kind to people, if you love on people, if you care for people, something happens to you. There's a blessing that's released inside of you. Does not the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive? It's true. Listen to this uh, old Chinese proverb that I love. Look at what it says. It says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit, inherit a fortune. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. When you break that kind of inclination towards me, 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 there's a freedom that starts to come. When you, the son of man, this was Jesus's mission, the son of man did not come to be served even though he was the king. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. There's something that happens. And can I tell you something? It says, especially for the family of God. Can I challenge some people in Philadelphia, even challenge some people online? I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, maybe this is not for everyone, but this is for a lot of people. It's time to come back to church. And listen, amen. And it's not only time to come back to church. When you come to church, find a place to do good for others. Find a place to serve. Your life will become richer and stronger and more wonderful. It will, you will realize how valuable you are. It's nothing like having people count on you, having people look forward to seeing you and to say, wow, that person serves me, that person cares for me, that person prays for me. Didn't it feel great to have us, we just stopped and we prayed one for another. That shouldn't be strange in church. Oh, I don't wanna go to that church, guess what they do? They pray for each other, whoo, that's weird. That's actually happened now in, in America. Then what are we coming here for? My house shall be called a house of prayer. It doesn't say a house of preaching. It says a house of prayer. We got to preach. But how many know? We should always pray one for another. So I want to encourage you. Find your place in the body of Christ. As a church gets bigger, the percentage of serving gets smaller. Like uh, the percentage of serving at Philly is way higher than in Chicago. Good job. But don't change, right? What that means is, is that people just take for granted, oh, that's going to be done and that's going to be done. But I'm, look, this is not about we need more workers. This is me being your pastor and saying, look, 
Keep sowing to the Spirit. How? By doing good for others, especially those of the household of faith. We gotta do good. And when you do good, something is released inside of you that makes you better. It actually rejuvenates your life. It actually strengthens your heart. 